Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to advance in leadership, then this podcast is for you. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker, and Monique Marquez, senior corporate leader, ex-Googler, and diversity expert. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Robin Sharma once said, success is not a function of the size of your title, but the richness of your contribution. It's about impact, influence, and inspiration. Our guests today are a perfect example of the power of sincere and selfless contribution and how it fosters true fulfillment. Meet Dr. Ganesh Natrajan and Dr. Uma Ganesh, co-founders of 5F World, who share their career journeys and how their shared values of working for the good of the community and their country has inspired them to create impact and opportunity using their 5F framework, which is fast, focused, flexible, friendly, and fun. Dr. Ganesh Natrajan is the executive chairman of 5F World, a platform for digital startups, skills, and social ventures. He's also the chairman of Honeywell, Automation India Limited, and Lighthouse Communities Foundation, and a board member of the State Bank of India, Hinduja Global Solutions, Global Talent Track, Educate Girls, and the Asian Venture Philanthropy Network. Ganesh is a distinguished alumnus of IIT Bombay and NITI. Dr. Amal Ganesh is the co-founder of 5F World and the founder of multiple companies, including Global Talent Track, focused on skills development for the digital era, Center for Artificial Intelligence and Advanced Analytics, CalZoom Advisors, and Skills Alpha, the digital platform for talent development. In this episode, Uma and Ganesh share their vision, the foundational pillars of their partnership, why learning should be a collective collaboration, and how leaders should view talent differently for the future. Visit imbeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Dr. Uma and Ganesh Natrajan. All right. Uma and Ganesh, I'm so, so, so excited to have you both. This is such a privilege, such an honor for me to have you on uh, this podcast. And I've been waiting for this to happen. So uh, we're thrilled that we finally get to share your story with our audience worldwide. So welcome. Thank you for joining us. Um, so my first question, uh, we'll dive right in. Um, you know, tell us, uh, tell our audience a little bit about your story and what's the biggest thing that has guided your life? Uma, let's start with you. Yeah. So yeah, growing up in a small town, um, dreaming about the future, which is a bit fuzzy, of course, to begin with. But this whole thing about wanting to discover the space beyond the small town. It's a place called Pondicherry, which is about uh, three um, hours driving distance at about 120 miles uh, from Chennai in south of India. And I'm talking about uh, 45 years back when there was really no internet and there was no television Mm -hmm. and not even telephone. Um, And so to just have heard about the big world of opportunities uh, that possibly lies beyond this little town. And all the discoveries happened through the libraries and hearsay and some uncles and friends. Um, So that really um, led me to um, uh, go and um, read up and talk to people. And uh, then, of course, once I got into uh, a situation where 
I could make it to the merit list and do it on my own strength, uh, get into a large city called Delhi, which is the capital of India, uh, for my MBA. Then there was really no um, looking back after that. Mm-hmm. In a sense that um, having reached that sort of, uh, having taken those kind of steps to get to the capital of, this, of the country um, and being able to rub shoulders or um, work with um, others uh, from other top colleges in the country, that in itself gave me the confidence, the belief mm-hmm. that um, whatever uh, you want to really think about um, at the age of 21 or 22, you know, you have that kind of energy mm-hmm. and self-belief, which got ratified by those kind mm-hmm. of uh, circumstances and situations that we were put into. Um, that is how I think I kept going. And uh, one thing led to the other. And um, all the opportunities that came along the way seemed exciting. But then, of course, you have to pick and choose the right ones. Yeah. And then you keep going. That's how my journey has been so far. It's, it's uh, fascinating because it, as you share that story, it sounds like you followed your curiosity and your passions every step of the way, but also kept putting yourself in situations where uh, it was a next level peer group and stepping into that that helped you lift up. Absolutely. Yeah, to begin with, it was a set of peers. And then once you enter into the corporate world, then um, there are other colleagues and seniors that you look up to. And uh, especially at a time when I entered into the corporate world, there were very few women MBAs in India who were mm. uh, part of the corporate world. And therefore, there was a kind of expectation. Uh, mm. The very first question that would be asked in most of the interviews those days used to be, okay, you've come thus far, but when are you going to get married? And then what if uh, your family doesn't allow you to go further? I mean, I used to really wonder why are these people asking these questions? Because it had never crossed my mind that I would get into that sort of a situation having uh, literally uh, done a, quite a bit of work and struggle to yeah. get to that point. Why would I just want to go away? But that isn't mm-hmm. how people around me uh, mm-hmm. at that point of time saw in women and particularly yeah. since women MBAs were very few. So there was that sort of, uh, um, uh, you know, an expectation also one had to bear in mind that people are all watching you and you got to... Um, also recognize that there are very few people like you who have got there. Mm. And that is something that you, they used to keep reminding me, including in my own campus. People used to say, you know what, if you don't take on this job and if you don't stick around with this job, do you re- realize that you are actually denying the opportunity for a few men who might have been able to mm. get there? So there was that kind of a responsibility also thrust yeah. on me that I better do something meaningful with the opportunity which has come my way. Otherwise, it should have been a waste of effort. So that kept me going at every step. It's a platform that's a privilege and a responsibility because you're opening doors and paving the way for all those that follow. And you've certainly done that uh, at such an extraordinary level. Um, And uh, also in partnership with Ganesh. So Ganesh, let's... uh, uh, talk about your story. You're a powerhouse uh, in every possible way. Uh, tell us a little bit about your formation story and what has guided you. Thanks, Nikki. And uh, actually very similar to Uma, because she grew up in a small town in South India. I grew mm-hmm. up in a smaller village in the east of India. 
probably what I call the poorest village in the poorest state in a very poor country. And that was because my father was running a business in a village called Tatisilvai, which is in a state called Bihar, which you would know and many Indian followers would know. It's a very, very poor part of the country. And because of that, I still remember I was in a school. I mean, the only English medium school anywhere in the vicinity. But unfortunately, because of where it was, very remote part of the country, the quality of education was pretty poor. And I still remember talking to my principal at that time, a gentleman called Fitzgerald, and we used to call him Fitzy. And I was talking to Fitzy and said, look, I really want to do well in science and math and stuff like that. And Fitzy started laughing and said, look, we're not teaching you good enough science and math for you to make it very big there. And I was very disappointed. And I remember asking him, but Fitzy, what does it mean? Does it mean that I can't do anything in life? And Fitzy said, no, 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 no. When you're 60 years old, you look back and you'll realize that you were very successful in life. And it's purely because we have taught you the ability to speak good English, communicate well, and that will take you far. Now, at that time, mm. I didn't believe it. But if you really look at it, I think, you know, looking back, I think my life in hindsight was perfectly planned. But in reality, it was a series of opportunities. And to an extent, you know, it's the self-confidence, is the ability to navigate situations as well, very different industries. I started off in manufacturing, moved into consulting, then moved into education, and then finally software exports, and now doing startup investing and social stuff. So I think it's been a whole bunch of stuff, but I think throughout it's the ability to love people, ability to identify and motivate them to succeed. I think that's really been my story. Which is uh, truly a leadership story, uh, you know, that has been true for both of you. So when did you discover that you had a similar vision and perhaps a similar purpose and path forward? Tell us about your, you know, from a, you know, you're both very strong, powerful individuals and successful leaders. Um, as a couple, however, how did that path unfold for you? I think it um, started happening from the time um, we almost began our careers. We used to exchange notes. We found that there are uh, many things that we looked at with a similar lens. Um, so as a result of this, uh, when um, IT industry actually started becoming a force to reckon with and rather in uh, the 80s, uh, very few uh, people without computer science background actually were part of IT industry. Mm -hmm. But for us, it was totally fascinating. And uh, when the IT industry in the initial days started opening its doors a little bit for those without IT background to come in, uh, we thought this is going to be very exciting to figure out what is happening out there. And then there was no really uh, real stopping. And both Ganesh and I, we spent uh, 10 years um, in the um, industry, in the initial phase in um, computer education industry. Mm -hmm. And that was uh, truly uh, very, very energizing phase because um, there was not only an opportunity to um, learn for ourselves, but there was also an opportunity to spread that sort of education to thousands of people across India, across many parts of the world. Uh, that was uh, truly uh, a very transformational experience for me and for Ganesh. So we both saw that this was a fascinating industry. This was an industry where we can learn. 
where there is a lot of energy that we could uh, bring to ourselves and to people around us and that kind of kept kept us going um although at some point we both uh, went on to doing different things within the it industry or within that space but there have been um several common elements and several common network uh, several learnings that we could exchange with one another and then we were always there ganesh has always been there for me and um, i have always been there for him to talk about specific situations and specific uh, uh, opportunities and uh, how do we deal or how do we get out of this sticky situation um so i think we became friends first and then we became partners in terms of uh, uh, coming together in the form of uh, uh, marriage and thereafter we became truly partners in the professional sense as well so mm-hmm. i would say those have been three distinct faces and at some point all of these three have uh, merged together mm-hmm. uh, to form one single line that is so beautiful and and so inspirational for so many people that uh, you know dream of not only having that kind of experience in their life but also that level of impact but in partnership with someone uh, that there's so much to share with what uh, would you describe and ganesh i'm curious your perspective on this as the core values that you both absolutely share whether it's in life or in business that is the foundational pillar uh, of this partnership i think the foundational pillar is first of all we are very patriotic indians I mean, although we have lived in london have lived in san jose i think we always found that there was something to do for our country which inspired both of us maybe because of our humble upbringings the second thing that i think shares i mean we have a very strong sense of family values and my mother lived till she died and uma's parents are with us right now very strongly as you have seen yourself when you met us in new york a few weeks back very focused on family so mm-hmm. when our daughter is in new york or our two year old grandson need us we always there and it kind of rubs off into a real like for people so even mm-hmm. today both run a group called 5f world where we've invested in 11 companies nine of which are run by women very bright women yeah. but and we have over 275 people working with us in multiple skill consulting skills the social sector but we really want them to succeed so whatever it takes these ceos and leaders succeed we'll go all out to make it happen and i think that's the shared value that it's not mm-hmm. making money selves or just for a bunch of shareholders but really doing good work for the community for the country with people whom we love and whom we want to see successful i think that's really what's the shared value we have yeah that's that's beautifully said um you know that sense of purpose and a desire for growth and contribution is what stands out so much about both of you because you're constantly growing uh but not just yourselves but the people around you and also contributing at such a huge um level um what, you know as you describe your stories you know, there's this um reference to excitement and energy that you both make right um and uh i'm curious about how you might give advice to someone who is facing a life of opportunity and possibilities in front of them and yet might be hesitating or you know not stepping into that future because of fears fears of limiting beliefs of what if i fail what if something goes wrong 
And that stops you from stepping into that curiosity and that state of excitement. You've navigated it just following that passion and purpose. What advice would you give to someone who's at the early stage of the career struggling to take that leap? I would say that um, it's very important to take risk in life. I mean, mm-hmm. everything is not really cut out there for everybody to begin with. Um, so in my case, I have taken uh, several such sort of leaps of faith. Um, some of them have worked and some of them, I would say, may not have worked. But um, life is a journey where you really uh, learn from failures, you learn from successes. And then the speed with which you can dust yourself off if something hasn't worked, get up and run and tomorrow is another day and you know leave your past behind. That sort of an attitude if one has. And it doesn't mean that you're getting into something knowing that, okay, yeah, I might fail, so what? But you are getting into it with a full knowledge about the risks and at the same time with a good plan and with mm-hmm. um, full knowledge of what you want to do and how what is it that you want to accomplish. Um, so deep down, I think it's um, very important to have that sort of a self-belief that mm-hmm. you are going to do this with the fullest uh, intention of wanting to succeed. And then I think somehow the universe comes together to help you. And um, there are always uh, people around you who want to help you. If you do Mm -hmm. things with the right intention, I'm sure there will be um, also elements along the way which may not really um, uh, take you down the path of what you really want to do. Sometimes that might be distraction. But uh, for um, every one such distracting negative aspect i've always found that there are five other helping hands waiting to support you um if your intention is clear your purpose is um, very clear and people around you see that you're doing this with passion and commitment um, you will be able to go forward and succeed and as i said even if you had to take two steps back uh, you will figure it out yourself as to how you have to navigate and move forward so, um, yeah, that, that is what it mm-hmm. has been um, for me. And that is what I would like to uh, say to young women who are thinking about um, how should I proceed and how do I really succeed in my life? Mm-hmm. It's self-belief, it is purpose, it is focus and positive attitude towards whatever you're trying to take up. Mm-hmm. These will keep you going. Now, you reference self-belief and often that in itself becomes the challenge, right? But it sounds like in what you shared that the self-belief is connected to a much bigger North Star, like a bigger purpose. And that's what creates that self-belief and in the role you're supposed to play in service of something bigger. Um, is, is that accurate? Is, is that how you, what has created that self-belief for you? Yeah, I would like to give a small example of, uh, you know, one, um, I would say an adventurous uh, step I took um, almost 25 years back to get into television industry. It was at a very, very nascent stage when India in Indian skies, private uh, sector television was just opening up. And uh, the founder of this particular television group, he said, look, I have got so many hours um, available on my uh, 
uh, satellite and I have very little entertainment content. So I'm thinking of doing something different. Um, so would you like to come over and figure out what you can do with this, uh, you know, hours of uh, satellite time that I have at my disposal? And I found it to be very curious and very exciting and very uh, um, intriguing as to, you know, what can I really do with uh, television medium? I had no background in television, production, editing, nothing. But um, I thought this was an exciting opportunity. Somebody is inviting me to come and do this kind of adventure at uh, his cost. But uh, once I got in, I had to learn so many things. Yeah. And what I, what I figured was whatever I had learned from my previous experiences, um, I could take into this role something, uh, some of those, and then build on top of those mm -hmm. what I didn't know. So a computer education, which was familiar to me, I tried to see how computer education could be brought into television medium and reach out to a lot many people. And that became a resoundingly, uh, I mean, it, it was a talked about program in those days. I'm talking about the 90s when mm -hmm. computer was a very mysterious thing and people did not know what is this myth all about. Um, so, but it was exciting. I took that risk and when I look back, that really gave me the strong footing for mm. thinking of me as an entrepreneur in the context of a large mm. corporate where um, after the initial check, I was told, now you're on your own. You figure out how you're going to make money, how you're going to hire your staff and how far you want to grow. So that was a fantastic opportunity uh, when I look back um, for uh, having, you know, them believed in, in believing in me and doing all the wonderful things that we could do in that uh, seven years that I was with that television company. But Nikki, Umar is being modest because I still remember in that. And I think what she said is absolutely right. I mean, if you are too afraid and you want to do all the research and then you kind of self-analyze whether you can do it, you'll never do it. I mean, I mm -hmm. think we've seen people, including yourself, who just jumped in and started new careers all the time. And I remember when Umar first took on this Z Telefilm CEO role, and they were launching their first tele-education kind of um, channel. And I think her, they had a discussion and said how great it would be if we can get the prime minister of the country to kind of talk about the show. And nothing venture, nothing gained. So Uma actually spoke to his office and they said, no problem. If you're doing something for education, Mr. Narsimara, who was then prime minister, was happy to do it. And she went to Delhi, got a 30-second clip from him, and they put it on air I mean, literally for three days, nonstop, till they got a call from the prime minister's office saying, say, stop, stop. You can't use the prime minister's rights. <laughs> but by that, by that time, the deed was done. So, I mean, we expected 3,000 people to sign up. Within three days, 52,000 people had signed up, including from wow. neighboring countries. So it's just, I mean, if you go out with passion and make stuff happen, yeah. bigger stuff will happen than you can imagine. And that's been right. our individual as well as shared experience throughout our lives. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's uh, they say confidence is built on evidence of success. And but that evidence doesn't happen if you're just unwilling to take action. And, you know, the more action you take, the faster you move, um, all of that, the path appears in front of you and builds your confidence. Uh, that's the perfect segue to talk about 5F. Uh, Ganesh, tell, tell us about 5F and where that comes from. Uh, why those keywords, uh, you know, are so essential to not only success, but really thriving in the digital age, especially. No, the very, and thanks for asking the question, Nikki, because uh, this five, I'll tell you the genesis. 
I became CEO of this public organization called Aptech when I was 33 years old. And quite honestly, I was probably too young to be CEO at that time. But I had nothing to lose. So, and we had a bunch of 300 people all in computer training, which was not a very aspirational part of the tech industry. But they were all young people. And we said, let's go out and have fun. So we started partying. We were like, you know, hanging out with each other most of the time. And in that process, we built a great organization. And looking you know, after we grew from seven education centers in India to 1,400 centers in 42 countries, including China. Wow. And then we look back, and even yesterday, I was talking to a colleague of mine who was there in those days. And she said, look, we had so much fun. It was a family. We were friendly. But at the same time, we grew faster than competition. So which is why that model of being very fast, at the same time, focused on objectives, being flexible, because you never know when life will throw a curveball at you or where is opportunity. And at the same time, having lots of fun together. That was the way we did it. At that time, I hadn't called it five. Then I moved to my software export uh, business in, in Pune. Again, we grew it from less than $20 million to $400 million in 12 years. And the same thing. I mean, we formed what there's a very famous Harvard Business School case study on what we did called Vision Communities at Zensar. And the whole concept there was that if there is a bunch of 1,000 people in those days, we grew it to 8,000, who really like each other and want to work with each other, you'll always build magic. So again, it was, then we started calling it the 5F culture, fast, focused, mm. flexible. And then when I left Zensar at the age of 58 and started this company, I got 40, 50 emails and messages saying, if you're doing something new, Ganesh, and especially if you're doing it with Uma, just call it 5F World. The minute we hear 5F World, we know it's you guys. So I think that's the genesis. <laughs> And we haven't looked back because you and today we're having so much fun and it's such a lovely group of people we work with. At the same time, in, in skills, we're growing faster than anybody else. In the social sector, I think we're extremely focused on a million people from the underprivileged who we want to skill and put them to mm-hmm. jobs. I think all that is part of the 5F culture and kind of we've really uh, lived it every minute of the day. Yeah. It's uh, such a powerful... Uh, construct with not just for business, but even as individuals, because in a world that's changing so fast and getting so disrupted, um, being rigid or unfocused or, you know, just feeling overwhelmed and stressed out is no way to live. It's no way to thrive. And 5F is the perfect formula, not just in business, but also how to lead one's life. And you're uh, amazing examples of that individually and as uh, a couple as well. Um, you know, you mentioned skills as like that has been in many ways kind of a through line in your journeys, right? It's, it's this focus on skills and, um, and it is the most important thing as we look into the future. You know, when a, as in context of companies needing to upskill or reskill in terms of talent being prepared and winning in the market and this mindset of lifelong learning and continuous and learning is so essential. Um, the work that you're doing today and your mission of what you're facilitating, um, what is the guiding principle for that or what's your vision that you can share uh, and why that matters so much? See, uh, when we're talking about uh, skills, as all of us are aware, in today's context, you have to constantly uh, upskill yourself, uh, take some of the learnings from one industry, one domain into another. But to remain relevant 
if uh, we do not know where do we stand vis-a-vis our aspirations, then it becomes very complex to figure out what do I learn because there are so many opportunities out there and so many pathways. Therefore, particularly in the context of corporate sector, uh, we've uh, built this uh, digital skilling platform called Skillself. Mm-hmm. And I can say that that platform has been designed based on our own experience and um, understanding of what is really happening at the workplace. So all of us have aspirations and we have our strengths. We have our weaknesses. Mm-hmm. So against our current role, where do we stand? And against the aspirational role, maybe vertical or maybe diagonal or a completely different business unit, you may want to just, you know, because AI is the latest flavor and I'm doing marketing and there's so much I'm hearing about AI. And if I want to get into AI, then can I really get in there? Many people mm-hmm. may wonder, may, may be thinking that, oh, no, no, you don't have any computer science background, so you can't get in there. But the mm-hmm. reality is that today AI application is uh, there in every field and they are looking for people who have that kind of um, you know, uh, interest and inclination. So this, this sort of a platform and a tool measures the distance between uh, all the skills that are required for that sort of an aspiration role and where you are. And thereafter, uh, you know, there are several ways to get to bridge that gap. So mm-hmm. that is, I think, the starting point in the skilling journey to know where you are, figure out for yourself in a transparent manner, have a conversation with your manager and say five years from now, two years, five years is too long in today's context. So two years from today, if I want to be in this sort of a role, what is the journey? What are the skills that I should acquire? Mm-hmm. And it's also important to bear in mind that skilling is no longer what you learn from a page turner e-learning program or a textbook. It's about observing. It's about interaction with the peers. It's about finding a coach, um, a micro skill, coach for a micro skill. You do not mm-hmm. necessarily need to have a heavy duty coach, but someone who's a specialist mm-hmm. in a micro skill we need to be able to reach out to that person within the organization or outside the organization. And Mm -hmm. this sort of collective collaborative learning is what I think will be the future, not Mm -hmm. just restricted to going to school or looking at the content that is given to you, but being able to access all of these multiple ways of learning, um, social learning in particular. And uh, that's how I think you would be ready to take on newer and newer challenges as you go now. In the context of making that possible for um, people within an organization, what uh, advice would you give to the leaders of the organization and how they need to look at skilling or talent differently for the future? And Ganesh, I'm curious about your point of view on that. It's an important question because, you know, a lot of leaders, especially people who have not been used to being good leaders, I mean, suffer from hubris in the sense that you know, mm. it's a corner and everybody's saying, yes, sir, ma'am, and worshipping you. And it's very easy to let that go to your head. So I think mm. leaders have to realize that, I mean, uh, we use a term called passion osmosis. If you're a passionate mm. leader, the osmosis process is where you transfer that passion to other leaders. You know, you're creating more leaders. Mm. And I remember five years into Zensar, I um, mean, the software business I ran, we realized that, I mean, 200 of us were very good at what we did, but there was another 5,000 people that had come on board. And we said, look, it's not going to be enough if there are just a handful of great leaders 
we were to make all 200 of these managers great leaders and i still remember you know the discussion was oh should we go and get an external trainer an organization behavior specialist to train these people mm-hmm. somebody told us no you guys are the leaders you have to train by example mm-hmm. and so we went into a train the trainers program for about 20 of us and we found out around the world i remember i myself did the programs in boston and in cape town and in dubai and various places we used to run these two day workshops on just three items okay we used to call it connectedness development planning and feedback because mm-hmm. in a lot of is you know giving feedback is not a comfortable thing and you have to train people to do that and even today when i meet people whom we trained at that time they said look i mean the just that discussion made me such a better leader mm-hmm. i think it's dependent on leaders to make sure that this osmosis process of transferring capability happens and obviously you have to be I mean, the minute you arrived, something's gone wrong with you. And mm. I mean, as a leader, you've got to keep learning, and you've got to keep mm. contributing. I mean, if you look at our own careers, Uma and I have never stopped learning, formally and informally. We, mm. I mean, Uma was of ZTV. I was CEO of this company called Haptech. When we signed up for a PhD in IIT Bombay, which is the best uh, technology business school in the country, and initially it was tough because we were running full-time CEO jobs. at the same time trying to do some very deep research into areas like knowledge management but we thoroughly enjoyed it and at the end of it it made us better leaders mm-hmm. i in fact went to business school for my advanced management program when i was 7 years into my ceo stint in zensa again thoroughly enjoyed it made some amazing connects both among our peer group as well as in the faculty and it's really been that you know lifelong process of learning i mean today mm-hmm. if you look at books like homo deus by uh you will know harari harari yeah. talks about look every 15 years you got to renew yourself but i think mm-hmm. again 2020 hindsight purely by accident we've kind of practiced it in our lives which keeps mm-hmm. us humble i mean today i'm extremely humble because i've started playing golf and i realize how <laughs> terrible i am at golf so it's the most humbling experience to learn something new because then suddenly you realize that all the great stuff you do is still not good enough for something else so i think that's the that's the <laughs> that that's a great yeah, line i, I want to just yeah i want to add to what ganesh is saying about you know how he decided to pick up a completely new skill um learning to play golf uh going back to um what ganesh was mentioning about uh doing phd um i realized that uh, it is a a good wake up call you know shaking yourself up and saying look okay it's about 15 20 years since you finished your formal education mm-hmm. you have been in the industry corporate world all of that but mm-hmm. this urge to um, really push yourself um to work with other young people and also have these stretch goals to uh, complete uh, the writing or thesis or research or whatever it was and read um uh, in some of the classes there'll be only there were only two students and that'll be just me and ganesh so which means we couldn't even hide under the table and say well uh, you know someone else can answer so we would be given one full book to read up and uh, next week you need to present uh, you know if some perspectives from that book and these are serious books written in the 50s and 60s and um 
it required a lot of concentration. So I remember we used to be on the thread treadmill and the book in front of us because soon after that, you know, you have to run, you have to get to your work. And uh, but that really, really got me uh, back on my toes. And I'm sure the same thing happened with Ganesha as well. Uh, to uh, tell ourselves that okay, you're back in the in the school and you got to be alert and you got to uh, do things on time. And that sort of a thing happening in the middle of the career, middle of your career, then you're almost at your peak, gives you an opportunity to reinvent yourself and look at what is it that, how can you really keep yourself going and mm -hmm. bring in that urge to keep learning for the next 20 years and beyond. That's how that really, that mid-career uh, serious education stuff helped us more yeah. in a big way. Uh, I love that throughout that, though, I, I keep hearing this pull driven by curiosity and excitement and passion that over and over every part of your story, that is the essence of it that seems to be the thing that pulls you forward where others might be held back by fear or hesitation or self-doubt. You just step right into, not just step, you leap into that uh, curiosity and excitement of something new that, um, you know, that you are passionate about. Um, it, it's such a terrific, empowering and positive way to lean into the future. What if you could pinpoint the invisible ceilings limiting your success? Imagine having clarity on your strengths and barriers so you can take action and gain unstoppable momentum to advance as a future-ready leader. Well, that's exactly what the Beyond Barriers quiz will help you discover. You'll get your personalized score based on the 25 essential elements proven to accelerate success in the digital age so you can understand what's holding you back and where to focus your efforts. The Beyond Barriers quiz is completely free and takes just a few minutes. Go to imbeyondbarriers.com slash quiz and take the quiz today. So I want to go into a very um, practical uh, side of a conversation. So we all have 24 hours in a day. That is, time is the great equalizer, right? We all have the same amount of time. And yet... Uh, some people are just more prolific than others. You are terrific examples of that. Uh, your scholars and thought leaders, your entrepreneurs and innovators, uh, you've written books, you teach, you um, run businesses and uh, travel and have great lives. Give something very practical of what makes it possible on a day-to-day -day basis. I'm not talking about the big picture stuff of, you know, uh, pursuing those ideas, but on a pragmatic level, what's a day in the life like? What are some choices that perhaps you make that make all of this possible that someone else can learn from you and say, okay, if I want to be prolific, here are some basic things that I need to apply. Let me, let me jump Karish, in on this. You want to go first. Yeah, okay. yeah, let me jump in on this one. One thing I learned very early in life from one of my first bosses, a gentleman called Noria, who was running this very large manufacturing company that Uma and I first joined as management trainees. And he used to give 15-minute meetings. Okay, mm. And first time I heard somebody say, you know, because normally in India, especially, you know, people will give you this hour slot, you know, and what you have to say is kind of done in 10 minutes. And then he's organized tea or coffee for you. 
So you both kind of look at each other and wait for the coffee to come. So it's completely unproductive time. Yeah. Just to tell us, or anybody who went to meet him, that if you can't tell me in 10 minutes and convince me on what you came to talk to me about, you're not worth having a conversation with. So that's something I've really learned. Not really cut to the chase. Make sure people don't faff around and waste your time. And that's very important. I mean, you were asking mm-hmm. the day I started off this morning, six o'clock in the morning, playing golf for an hour, went straight to office, multiple meetings, and I've had one, two board meetings each of an hour each. Then we just finished a discussion on a very esoteric concept called Vedanta, which is a spiritual philosophy where Gautama and I were part of that chat discussion group. And here we are. So I'm saying it's you can make it a very full day. I don't think anybody in this world needs more than six hours of sleep. I mean, we'll be up again tomorrow five o'clock and getting started. So I'm saying we're trying to extract the most possible juice out of life, you know, by not doing unproductive work and not doing mm-hmm. wasting time and just going for a gossip session. I mean, we have our own fun and we have fun with people whom we choose to have fun with. But at the same time, I think we're trying to make sure that everything we do. Is done in the shortest possible time and with the maximum possible impact. So I think that's the way we see getting the most out of life. In terms of uh, some uh, tips or insights, in terms of how I plan my um, meetings, I would look at uh, typically uh, something that is um, slightly complex or challenging, and would have. Questions around those for which I want to find answers for myself or help my team to find answers for. So those are the critical areas around which I typically set up meetings well in advance, giving time to everybody who's involved in it to think about it. And um, so my meetings are typically those um, centered around some sort of a problem-solving um, opportunity or problem-solving session. and in between those i try to uh, definitely have some meetings which are opportunities for me to learn you know some young startup some young person wanting to have advice or uh, someone who is um, trying to figure out some new way to get around their uh, business opportunity nothing connected with what i'm doing but something which gives me an opportunity to learn to energize myself and at the same time Uh, someone who values um, my thoughts or my experience happy to mm-hmm. share that without any kind of um, expectation whatsoever and at the same time i believe that having some sort of a hobby or interest outside of work is extremely important um, for one to draw inspiration so whether it is mm. visiting museums or listening to music or uh, you know reading books i mean there are many 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 such hobbies people may be able to follow but making it sort of a little bit religious about it and making mm. sure that you make the time and you are able to spend at least 2 hours a week in uh, surroundings and environment away from work but being able to bring back that inspiration and freshness mm. into your work that i think is um, very has been very helpful for me and that's something that i would like to share with others as well yeah it's um great uh, you know takeaways in terms of 
you know, being mindful about how you invest your time, Ganesh, your point about the 15-minute meetings or just where you choose to invest your time has to be very intentional as opposed to filling the time and wasting the time. And Uma, your uh, ability to be so prolific is drawn by the inspiration, the energy that is intentional and how it brings out the best in you. Um, and that's uh, um, so much as possible for each of us to be able to contribute if we simply look at, you know, uh, what each day can add up to and make it meaningful. Um, but it's equally important who you surround yourself with, right? Um, typically, when people have a high growth rate as individuals and they're going places faster than the average, it's un uncommon to outgrow previous pre peer groups and communities, um, and yet our social conditioning often becomes a barrier sometimes, you know, for people to say, well, I don't want to leave, you know, the community that I was raised in or the place where I grew up or even those high school friends that have certain, you know, habits where they're spending six hours in front of the TV every day. And I don't want to be the one who seems like I abandoned people and moved on. I'm sure this has been very much your journey as you've raced, you know, from one chapter to another. How do you, two questions. One, what advice would you give to someone who feels, uh, who struggles with letting go of certain aspects, but perhaps holding on to some things that are precious? But also the second question is, how do you get into the next level peer group that also pulls you forward and helps you keep growing? You know, the simple answer to your question, Nikki, is that, I mean, think of Neil Armstrong. I mean, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon not by, by doing the same things. I mean, if you, look at, if you look at the space journey, it's the Saturn V rocket that propels you into space. And then there is a smaller module. And then finally, the lunar module takes you to the moon. So you've got to remember that in life. You know, if you keep hanging on to old friends who may not have anything of value to add to you and don't mix with new people and find new people, you've lost it. I mean, even today, I mean, probably every five years, I have a whole bunch of new friends. Of course, I have people I know, I've known forever. But I think you should have a healthy mix of new acquaintances, new friends, particularly young people that you can learn the most. Because if you constantly hang out with people your age, you're all talking about memories of the past. But the young people who are kind of living their lives today and they have the agency and the aspiration to do great stuff, I think that's very important. Well, it kind of refreshes your thinking, makes you young and makes you energetic and makes you want to do stuff because, I mean, you're really looking yeah. at the world from their eyes. Yeah. Uma, what are your thoughts? Well, you know, there are, at every stage of your life, there are different set of priorities. Um, so whatever is uh, your current set of priorities, you want to be around those people who can help you or who can contribute towards those priorities. So um, therefore, it's not about leaving behind some or uh, latching on to new people alone. It has to be centered around what is the purpose uh, for me uh, to be achieved uh, in this time frame at this point of time. And I uh, surround myself around those people who are also part of that journey. Um, not for a moment, I would say, therefore, that you should forget your old friends. Those memories are precious and there will be always opportunities to meet them and uh, to be in touch with them as and when it is possible. For instance, Ganesh and I, whenever we are traveling to Delhi or anywhere else in the world, 
there will be a set of friends whom we whom we may not have met for last 5 10 years but it would be fantastic when we are able to make the time we would say okay we have uh, four hours in san francisco so which are the old friends that we haven't met in years let's catch up with them and sure enough um, it will be like almost like old days but then in those four hours we present the newness in us and we are mm-hmm. also able to spot the newness in uh, our old friend and that's how our memories get fresher and fresher and and remain precious forever that is so beautifully articulated um i, I just love that um okay so let's uh wrap up with our final question which is if you had a billboard um with one message that you want to share based on your beliefs your life lessons that would help uh people learn from what would it say and uh ganesh i'll start with you i have a, i have a favorite line which says if you do what you've always done you'll get what you've always got and that's my line because you got to keep doing new stuff you know otherwise you'll keep repeating what you've got earlier and that's the end of your life so i think that's that's what i would put on that billboard i would say believe in yourself don't stop just do it there you go just do it i think that's the message from both of you of just you know um falling in love with everything that's ahead and all of the opportunities and the uh possibilities and leaning into it with full passion full energy and just doing it thank you so much for beyond uh, being on the beyond barriers podcast it's this is going to be a phenomenal episode with so much to learn and uh just so much wisdom packed into one episode so thank you for taking the time and uh we can't wait to have you here again sometime Thank you Nikki it was a pleasure Thank you very much Nikki for having us uh, in your show and uh, enjoyed these interactions bye bye Thank you for listening to the Beyond Barriers podcast There are thousands of podcasts out there and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours If you enjoyed the show please leave us a rating and tell a friend about it and subscribe to get new episodes every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Visit iambeyondbarriers.com where you'll find show notes, links, and the best way to connect with our guests. See you next episode.